take your Bibles out with me. And I pray you have a sermon study, God. You can follow along. If you did not receive one, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 3 as we are going chapter by chapter through the gospel of Luke within the Bible. Amen. Amen. And again, what a week we've had with Michigan weather. My, my. Another glorious week in the winter wonderland. Uh, I mean, so cold that the salt on the roads wouldn't work. Wow, what frozen temperatures. My dad was rubbing it in. He's saying, it's 80 degrees right now, Phil, as I'm talking to you on the phone. I said, well, Dad, when I open the door and let in the air conditioning up here in Michigan, it doesn't cost me a dime. <laughs> and I did. We had the whole staff over for a late Christmas party Friday night, and it got so hot in the house, I opened up both doors and let in the nice cool air. It didn't cost me a dime. My, my, my. Dad has to turn on the AC. Boy, boy. Now, before you complain how bad ice has been here in uh, Michigan, uh, how would you like to be on that ice-bound ship in Antarctica? Have you followed along in the news with that? Uh, and I believe we have a, a few images. Uh, a research, a Russian research ship near Antarctica's eastern edge became trapped in the ice with over uh, 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 70-some passengers on board, a crew of 22. Uh, an Australian icebreaker couldn't make it to them. The Chinese got close enough to send a helicopter to ferry some of them out, and then the Chinese icebreaker, it got trapped and icebound in the ice as well. And they're both trapped in the ice, even as I speak. And now the Americans have sent our ship, the Polar Star, to, to move in to uh, free the, the Russian ship and the Chinese ship, the Snow Dragon, to help rescue them from being so icebound. Uh, what's the danger? Well, if they run out of diesel, they run out of fuel, they run out of heat. And I don't need to tell you how terrible the death would be to freeze to death. Now on a lighter note, you heard about two guys from Metro Detroit that tragically died and ended up in hell. Two guys from Metro Detroit. Perhaps you heard the story. And old Slewfoot, the devil, decided to check up on him. And he found these two guys from Metro Detroit in a lower part of hell, all bundled up in coats and gloves and hats, and they, they were warming themselves by a fire. The devil said, are you guys crazy? You're telling me it's not, it's not warm enough? Uh, the guy said, well, you need to understand, Satan, we're, we're from Michigan. We're just happy to warm ourselves up. So the old devil, he turned up the heat in hell. And the same thing happened again. The Michigan guys said, hey, we're just happy to warm ourselves up. So the devil, he really cranked up the heat now. Hell had never been hotter than it was. And the lost souls in hell were wailing, gnashing their teeth. And these Michigan guys, these Metro Detroit guys, I mean, they're, they're just dressed in light parkas and hats and they're grilling sausage and drinking Verner's. The devil come to these Metro Detroit guys and said, hey, listen, everybody's miserable down here, yet you're enjoying it. I, I don't understand how. The guys said, well, hey, you know, we don't have much warm weather up in, in, in Michigan, but when it warms up, uh, uh, I mean, it's time to have a cookout. So the devil, he decided to do something and pull a trick on him. If these guys like it warm, he said, I'll make it really, really cold. 
And so the devil turned the heat off in hell for the very first time. The temperature fell way below zero. There was icicles hanging all over the pit of hell. Uh, The souls in hell were shivering with with, with the terrible temperatures. Uh, I mean, it was so bad they couldn't even wail. The devil's now delighted, uh, and he headed for the pit where these two Michigan guys were, where these Detroiters were located. And and the Detroit guys, what are they doing now? They're wearing parkas, they're wearing gloves, they're wearing hats, and they're cheering. The devil's dumbfounded. He said, when I turn up the heat, you're happy. And when I freeze you, you're happy. What is it with you two? The Detroiters looked at the devil in surprise. You mean you don't know? The devil said, no, I don't know. The Detroiters said, if hell's frozen over, it only means one thing. The devil said, what? The Lions won the Super Bowl. Ice in hell. Ice from hell. I want to talk to you this morning about ice from hell. There's an ice from hell that is no laughing matter. Ice, if you know the slang term, originated in Asia, originated in the Orient, and then it first, the first state in our United States to be hit by ice, this ice from hell, was the garden state, uh, the garden island, I should say, Hawaii. And it became the number one drug problem overnight, surpassing crack cocaine in unimaginable ways. Ice, as you well know, is now known uh, to be the drug of choice in every state in these United States of America. It's found in every corner of our nation. It has become a national plague. Ice has become a national problem. Ice is one of many slang names for meth. Unlike cocaine, which is a plant derivative, meth is man-made in garage and home laboratories using unrestricted, deadly chemicals that are so deadly that their vapors can kill a subdivision, making them toxic. This man-made drug uh, candy coated with deception sure it'll give you an unbelievable unreal high for 24 hours Uh, 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 you feel like you're in such a state of euphoria you feel like you're in in heaven but then there's the hallucinations then there's the paranoia then there's the fatal kidney failure and after just one use of meth most are hooked mentally for the rest of their lives and then heaven ends up becoming hell I've done this before in fact just recently but I believe it so typifies what I'm about to share with you this morning ice from hell that I want to share these shocking images with with you again And if anything, on the natural note, it'll alarm and alert parents and and youth. Let me just show you some pictures, the before and after pictures of meth addicts. Have you ever seen them? Go ahead and show those. Here's a young lady, the before picture, then six months, and then four years later, a meth addict. Next, young man. Next, this is one that just rips my heart out as you see what ice from hell 
She looks like a lost soul, a wailing soul. Used to be a model. Used to be a pageant winner. Now her body ravaged, being a meth addict next. None of these are doctored up. These addicts, sores develop all over them. They lose their teeth. Their hair falls out. As the devil doubles over in delight, please take those off now. Ice from hell. Meth. So powerful are the addictive qualities of meth or ice. Sons will steal from their mothers. Young men and young women will prostitute themselves. Mothers have been known even to prostitute their, their own little children to fund their habit. I've had the addicted young and old sit across from me in my office and look me right in the eye. Uh, Pastor, I've got it licked. Uh, Pastor, I've got it under control. Uh, I can stop. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never ever do it again. And before the week is out, they're right back into it again. Initially, it was just to be a one-time try. It was just to be a, a one-time thrill. But one time became many times. They've argued, I, I can control it. That's the deception. It will end up controlling you. And now Satan plays them like a dancing yo-yo. But the devil's ice this morning. This message is not about drug abuse necessarily. What you just saw in the physical, what you just saw in the natural, is what I believe God sees in the spiritual with any soul that imbibes the ice from hell. Any soul that's ice bound with hell's deceptions, with hell's lies, hell's temptations. I might be speaking even now this morning, to those frozen by the ice of lying, stealing, cheating, stealing, gambling. Perhaps, perhaps you've been frozen with a problem marriage, problem parent or a problem child. Perhaps your ice from hell is, is resentment, anger, fear, worry. Booze, pot, coke, pills, illicit sex, or, or perversion. No, no matter the kind of ice your life's impacted with, there's one common denominator. You're bound. You're trapped. Uh, you're a prisoner. Hell has you held fast by the devil's ice. You know you can't free yourself. You know that there's no man-made icebreaker that's on its way to rescue you. And you know these things because nobody and nothing has been able to set you free. And so the enemy's two favorite words continually haunt you and whisper in your ear, no hope, no hope, no hope. There's no hope. Give up. I know of only one thing capable of destroying every vestige of Satan's ice, hell's ice. There's only one thing that can combat ice. There's only one thing that can overcome the ice I'm preaching about this morning. And that is fire. <laughs> fire! The fire of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, our main text this morning. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's hear God's word to us this morning from Luke chapter 3. For we're all targets for the enemy to make us his chosen frozen. As we speak a word to you this morning that I hope you'll remember for a lifetime. Fire and ice. Fire 
and ice. Let me set the stage for you in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. 2,000 years ago, fill in the blank, John the Baptist waded through the mucky waters of the Jordan River, preaching a new kind of water baptism. A baptism of repentance. Repentance. Luke 3, 3, he went into all the country, John the Baptist, around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, water baptism had become a fad. It had become a, a, a trend, a popular thing to do in that day and time. John's baptism was different. He was not the first one to water baptize. His water baptism, the unique quality behind it was that John demanded repentance, confession of sins, before you could be water baptized. Read with me in Luke 3, if you would, verse 7. And when the crowds of people came out for baptism, because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded. He was a real positive speaking preacher, wasn't he? John said, you brood of snakes! What do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water and your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as your father. Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if He wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. The crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? Maybe you're asking that question this morning. Repentance, hear me in this, is more than mental assent. Repentance is more than being sorry for your sins. Listen to what John the Baptist says here. If you have two coats, give one away. Do the same with your food. You tax men also who came to be baptized said, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, No more extortion. Collect only what is required by the law. The soldiers asked him, because Roman soldiers were getting water baptized, What should we do? He told them, No more shakedowns, no blackmail, and be content with your rations. Repentance is our responsibility in salvation. But what's real repentance? Repentance is a radical change in your thinking, your attitudes. It's a radical change in your words. It's a radical change in your behavior. Real repentance is a, a change of your attitude towards God and towards those in relationship with you, towards other people, towards the world toward yourself. Repentance is more than just being sorry for your sins, as I said. As John the Baptist revealed, it's being sorry enough to quit. Repentance. It is our responsibility. It's our part in salvation. It's not God's part. It's your part to repent and mean it. And repentance is more than a one-time event. You and I need to be walking in a repentant lifestyle every single hour of the day, every day of the week. I was driving down Hall Road yesterday, and I, my, my, Jerry Kozak, I hit the pothole of potholes. It was a lunar crater. I didn't know sinkholes existed that big on Hall Road. It's bad. I've never seen it this bad. How about you? And oh man, there goes another alignment job. Got to get the wheels aligned now. And oh, I felt like my car was going dog-legged down the road after that. Uh, repentance is remaining in alignment to God's will, God's wishes, God's desires. It's a humbling process. It's walking in humility. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Every moment of every day. Repentance is not just a one-time event when you first came to Jesus Christ in salvation. You and I need to be walking in repentance all the time. It, that does not mean that you're going around saying, Oh, I, I'm so unworthy. I'm, so, I'm such a dirty, filthy... No! 
It's every day in prayer. It's every moment as you walk with God. Lord, I want Your will, not my will. Lord, search me, sift me. If you find anything displeasing in me, bring it to my attention. I want to be aligned to Your Word. I want to be aligned to Your ways. I want to be in alignment to Your will. This is what John said in 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin... What's going to happen? You're going to be a snowman. You're going to be a snow woman. <laughs> You're going to be chosen frozen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the deception is gradual. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, that's the repentant lifestyle, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar. And His Word is not in us. Secondly, mark it down. Being a Christ follower takes more than repentance. If, it's, if being a Christ follower, if being a Christian was repentance alone, then it could be accomplished by just sheer self-discipline. It could be accomplished by just a 12-step program. Are you with me? But victorious Christian living is only possible by the Lord's cleansing fire of sanctification. I'm giving you a theological term. I'm giving you an old church Pentecostal term. But let me tell you, it is right on for today and this moment. Hallelujah. John the Baptist's ministry was so powerful. It was so anointed. The people began to wonder, is John the Baptist the Messiah? Listen to how John answered them. In Luke chapter 3, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful. Aren't you glad there is one who is more powerful? Then I will come the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Have you experienced the fire of God? Have you experienced the fire of God? We say where there's smoke, there's... In the Bible, whenever there's fire, there's God. God shows up. Wherever there's fire, there's the presence of God. Here, John the Baptist reveals our Lord's work, His sanctifying work in our lives. Sanctification. You might want to take some notes this morning. Sanctification is separation. The moment you're born again, the Holy Spirit powerfully separates you from a life of sin. You're separated from sinful attitudes, sinful thoughts, sinful words. That's why when you pray with people to accept Jesus, one of the first things many of them will say, I feel so clean. That is a supernatural work of God through His Holy Spirit, the fire of His Holy Spirit to refine, to purify, to separate us from sin. But that's only partially partially the truth. That's only a part of the dynamic aspect and work of the Holy Spirit. We're not only separated from sin. Sanctification is not only separation. Sanctification is also purification. We are separated from sin. And we are separated unto God. And He begins to purify us purify us. Sanctification is both an event and it's a daily process as we walk with Jesus. We are initially separated from sin and separated and dedicated, consecrated unto God. We become a child of God. And day by day, we become more and more like Jesus. 
as I look into His Word, as I pray, as I, I press into His presence, we become more and more like Jesus. Sanctification is both instantaneous and it's progressive. You and I are not what we used to be and we're not yet what we're going to be. It just gets better as you walk with Jesus. And one day, one day, one day when the trumpet blows, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see Him, we shall be made like Him. It will be the consummation of our salvation. Hallelujah. As we see Jesus, we will be made completely 100% holy as He is holy. Sanctification is the means by which God brings you to be what He wants you to be. The old story goes that those in metallurgy in ancient times, as they would smelt and refine precious metals like gold and silver, the impurities in gold and silver float to the surface as that metal is melted. It is skimmed. It's known as the dross. The dross is skimmed from the surface. And each time the ancient uh, refiner would skim the dross from the surface of the molten metal, it would become more pure. But uh, one method that they would use to know that it was almost in their methods of that day and time, absolutely 100% pure, it would be given their stamp of approval when they could see their reflection in the surface of the melted metal. God is looking for His reflection in you. I don't want to be me <laughs> because me is a stinky me. Just listen to my wife say amen. <laughs> I want Jesus to be Jesus in me. How about you? I want Him to see His reflection in me. I want His words being spoken through me. I want people to see Him living and walking and working in me. How about you? His reflection seen in us. How is sanctification different from conversion? Conversion is an event. Sanctification, like I said, is both an event and a process. Conversion is a change in my character. Sanctification means a change in my conduct. Conversion brings forgiveness from sin. Sanctification deals with deliverance from sin's power. It breaks the ice of hell. In conversion, we believe and we are saved. In sanctification, we believe and we behave. We are holy as He is holy. At conversion, when you're born again, you're made a child of God. In sanctification, we act like a child of God. We walk and talk like a child of God. Why is there such a lack of miracles in the church today? I'm just telling you from someone who has preached, who has taught, who has held conferences overseas. The Spirit of God is moving in unbelievable ways overseas. There are so many churches being planted right now in Africa. We do not have enough pastors to preach and pastor those churches. The revival in Africa is beyond compare throughout 2,000 years of church history. Pray for the church in Africa. We do not have enough leaders. We do not have enough teachers. We do not have enough pastors for the churches in Africa. That's why if you'll examine our missions budget, we dedicate a big slice of the pie for training. But why not here? Why is there such a lack of miracles, signs, and wonders in the American church today? I don't have all the answers, but I believe this is part of it. I believe we have embraced, the American church has embraced hypocrisy over holiness. 
I believe that we have relegated holiness to being old-fashioned, outdated, antiquated, and obsolete. I believe that too many pamby-namby pulpits have whitewashed sin. They're afraid to speak about sin. They want to give psychological pablum. They want to give platitudes instead of preaching against sin. Holiness is something for yesteryear. Holiness uh, uh, is no longer preached from our pulpits, least of all from TV evangelists. And the church is settled for being a playhouse instead of a powerhouse. That which it was called to be. Church after church and pulpit after pulpit has succumbed to a milk toast, watered down, anemic gospel message. Do you agree? The churches have opted, have opted, have opted for the entertainment business while we are in the eternity business. The eternity business. Churches where sin is never confronted, it's only massaged, it's ignored with an I'm okay and you're okay message. God's house has become a playhouse. A holiness message might not be popular. And I might be opening the door right now for a lot of letters. Or emails. I haven't preached this in a long time. And I'm starting out this new year preaching it. This might not be a popular word, but it's God's word. And I sense in my spirit we are moving rapidly towards an encounter with eternity. Do you want God's word? In 2014, do you want a people pleasing word or do you want God's word? Okay. So there's no confusion here at Lakeside. I want you to know from A to Z what God's Word condemns as sin. A, abortion, adultery, atheism. B, blasphemy, boasting and booze. C, conceit, cursing and criticism. D, dishonesty, drug abuse and drunkenness. Envy, egotism and evil examples. F, fornication, filthy language and friendship with the world. G, Gambling, greed, and gossip. H, hatred, hypocrisy, and homosexuality. I, adultery, infidelity, and incest. J, jealousy, joy killing, and dirty jokes. K, keeping kids out of church. L, lust, lying, and lesbianism. M, materialism, meanness, and MTV. N, the new age. O, the occult, obscenity, and offending others. P, profanity, playboy, and pornography. R, rebellion, retaliation, and raunchy rap, hip-hop, and rock music. S, slander, sexual, sexual immorality, and Sunday skipping saints. T, T, tongue lashings, troublemakers, and tithe robbing. U, unbelief, unfaithfulness, and unholiness. V, vanity, violence, and ungodly videos. W, wickedness, worldliness, and witchcraft. X, X-rated media, extramarital relations, and exotic dancing. Y, yielding to sin. Society and Satan. Z, zero and zigzagging holiness. Can I hear an amen? amen. If I had a dollar, if I had a dollar, if I had a dollar for every time I looked at my children in the eye and I said, I'm not your big buddy, I'm your parent. And I'm accountable before God. I'd be a rich man. In the same, same respect, Lakeside, Lakeside, I'm not your religious cruise director. I'm not your spiritual Ronald McDonald handing out Happy Meals every service. I am not obligated or called by God to keep you happy. I'm called by God to keep you holy. Sometimes it might hurt, but I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to speak it, 
Because one day I want to hold my head high before him. And I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But in case you might think that, you know, walking with Jesus is just a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules. I want you to know from A to Z what we're for. I want you to know that this Pentecostal, <laughs> this Pentecostal worship, this Pentecostal church, uh, this Pentecostal preacher, we're not only against things, we're for some things. A, the Almighty, the anointing, and the atonement. B, blessings, Bible quiz, and the blood of Jesus. C, Calvary, the calling and compassion. D, discipleship, devotions, and divine healing. E, encouragement, edification, and eternal life. F, uh, faith, fine arts, uh, and friendship with Jesus. Uh, G, godliness, uh, grace, and glory. H, Holiness, home and heaven, I, integrity, Emmanuel, and the great I am. J, justice, joy, and Jesus. K, kindness, the kingdom of God, and the king of kings. L, love, life, and our Lord. M, miracles, ministry, and missions. And nurturing the needy and the neglected. Oh, one way, one truth, one life equals Jesus. <laughs> P, purity, prayer, praise, and Pentecost. Q, the quickening of the Spirit. R, renewal, revival, and the rapture. S, salvation, sanctification, and singing a new song of praise. T, teaching God's Word, the Ten Commandments, and seeing our teens touched by the Spirit of God. You, unity in the Word, unity in faith, unity in love, the vision, vitality, and victory in Jesus. W, worship the Word and winning lost souls. X, exaltation, exhortation, and extreme passion for God's presence. Y, yielding to the Holy Spirit, yearning for more of God. And we are for our young people. Z, zeal for the Father, seen in the Son, received by the Spirit, blessed by the three in one. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God from A to Z. What we are for. You choose to lead a holy life, Christian. And you have chosen a whole life. It is healthy. It is whole. It is prosperous. God is not a joy killer. When God gives us some do's and don'ts, He does it because He wants us to be the happiest people on the planet. Happiness is holiness. Lastly, John the Baptist's prophecy not only promised holy fire for purity, but also for spiritual power. Think of the power our generation has witnessed. Fossil fuel power, electrical power, computing power, transportation power, rocket power, nuclear power. Yet all of this man-made power is powerless to heal a broken heart. To heal a lost soul that will live for eternity. To perform the miraculous. To mend a marriage. Uh, to make a fragmented family whole. To set free the icebound, those in bondage, or save a sin-sick soul. There's only one kind of power that can do that. I'm not talking about a 12-step program. I'm not talking about a positive, people-pleasing message. I'm not talking about some dynamic personality that everything revolves around. I'm talking about Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus himself promised, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Have you experienced that power? Not long after Jesus gave that promise, 
In fact, 10 days after he gave that promise, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, Acts 2, 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Let it come at lakeside, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words or the utterance. Hallelujah! 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 I'm glad at least some of you are excited about it. The story and the experience, the story and the experience, the story and the experience of Pentecost is a story of power. You can't get away from it. Power for prayer. Power for praise. Power for holy living. Power for a God-confident boldness. Power to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Power for anointed ministry. Power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The Pentecostal story is a story of power. You won't find that in books. You won't find that in videotapes. You won't find that in the multiplicity of resources that the church has today. You won't find that in productions, policies, programs. You find it in the power of Pentecost. Why have we gotten so far away from the power of Pentecost? God doesn't anoint methods. God does not anoint machinery. God anoints people. God uses people. We can't do God's work without God's power. Have you been anointed with the power of Pentecost? Boy, I'm just visiting this church for the first time, and that guy gets awful excited up there. Hey... I might not get excited about a pigskin going between two poles, but I'll get excited about my Jesus who died upon the cross to give us a Pentecost. Jesus said, don't leave home without it. Don't leave Jerusalem without it. He gave them the great commission. Go into all the world. But He said, first, 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 first things first. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking a brand new prayer language, a brand new praise language, the evidence of tongues. I'll tell you as a pastor, some people will tell you that there are some things. I've had, I've had pastors tell me this. I've had counselors tell me this. That there are some lifestyles there are some marriages. There are some habits. There is some ice from hell that cannot be restored. There are those things that are beyond God's grace. And there's no hope. You are stuck. You are icebound like those ships in Antarctica. There is no hope. There's no hope for your broken marriage. There's no hope for your, your drug addiction, your drinking, your porn addiction. There's no, no hope for a lifestyle that the Bible condemns like homosexuality. I want you to know straight from this holy pulpit, that's a lie from hell. Don't succumb to that. There's no pit that is so deep that His love and His power is not greater still. Hallelujah! 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 There's no hellish ice that is so thick. His fire is not greater still. I know men and I know women that are serving God today, that are in leadership today, that are in ministry today. Hear me in this. That have been set free from the ice of hell. They've been set free from hopeless lifestyles, hopeless behavior according to the world's eyes and a lukewarm church's eyes. They've been set free from Satan's ice because the Spirit's fire <laughs> beats the devil's ice any place, anywhere, and any time. Fire, his fire, always beats old Slewfoot's ice. So when Satan comes uh, to you with his ice, his ice that he has especially tailored for your life. 
Some of you, he has cut custom fit ice for your life. For some, it might be a porn addiction. For some, it might be worry, anxiety, fear. For some of you, it might be an extramarital affair. I don't know what the enemy is tempting you with when it comes to ice this morning to freeze your purity, to freeze your prayer life, your praise life, to freeze real love for your spouse, your mate, in your marriage, in your family, and to especially freeze your passion for God's presence. His desire is to make you ice bound to make you trapped a prisoner like a slave bound in the ice but I'm here to remind you this morning there's power <laughs> there's power from on high there's power for you and I to be an icebreaker in the name of Jesus a holy icebreaker there's power in his word there's power in his blood and there's especially fiery power in his spirit oh hail the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate fall bring forth the royal diadem hallelujah and crown him Lord of all His name was Curtis. Curtis Kelly. Curtis Kelly, at age four, remembers first hearing the voices. The voices. The voices. Voices telling him in the ghetto of East L.A., that he didn't have to wait for his brothers to get him drugs. That he could get the drugs now. Even before elementary school age. At age 10, at age 10, Curtis Kelly was already hooked on crack cocaine. The voices kept speaking to him. But another voice was calling out to God in prayer. It was his godly, born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing, holy mother, a Pentecostal mother that prayed every day over Curtis and would many times go into his bedroom at night and anoint him with anointing oil and pray the prayer of faith over him. Age 15, Curtis Kelly was in a bar, completely hooked on crack cocaine. And this time he decided, because the effects, the highs were not as high anymore, he thought he'd go higher than he'd ever gone. And he created a, a cocktail mixture of drugs mixed in with the crack cocaine. And he drank booze along with the cocaine cocktail mixture to achieve a high greater than any high that he had ever experienced when suddenly the floor of the bar opened up before his eyes and he saw the demons of hell coming from the spiritual dimension and reaching out and grabbed his soul right out of his body and dragged him to hell. You heard of the movie Dragged to Hell? Well, this is the real drag to hell. There in hell, the demons began torturing him. And he screamed out in agony as his soul was being literally, sadistically tortured in the denizens of hell. When suddenly, this huge, bright light pierced the darkness and this living arm of golden light reached down into the pit of hell and all of a sudden he heard the words piercing that gloom piercing the wailing of the souls of hell he heard this mighty voice boom because of the prayers of your mother i am sparing you and i'm having mercy on your soul and he was reached up snatched up and came back into his body Today, you can go to a church in East L.A. and hear a pastor preach and pastor 
who has great sensitivity to those that live on the streets. And his name, his name is Bishop Curtis Kelly. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that there's no ice from hell, <laughs> that God's fire, his Holy Spirit's fire cannot melt, cannot break, <laughs> cannot dissipate. Don't say it's hopeless. Don't say it's beyond repair, restoration. I believe in miracles. I serve a God of the miraculous who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He has declared Himself, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Christian, you might be sitting there and saying, nodding your head, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I, I know what you're... Thank God I had an experience with the Spirit. 23 years ago. Oh, that was a wonderful experience. Honey, sir, ma'am, yesterday's experience. Uh, let me tell you, yesterday's anointing will not do. Uh, last week's anointing will not do. You need a fresh touch. This morning, you need a fresh anointing. Uh, you need a fresh fire from on high to come down into your spirit. Well, I don't have an extroverted personality like you, Pastor. Uh, I'm not expressive like you. It has nothing to do about personality. It has everything to do with, but ye shall receive power. Power. Power to live holy. Power in your walk and talk. Power to press into the presence of God. Power to discern spiritual warfare and to prevail in your prayers. You've tried everything else. You've tried the so-called experts. Isn't it time for the ice? You try His fire. Father, I come before You this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank You that, Lord, You have spoken through Your Word. And now You want to speak through Your Spirit. <laughs> you want to move in this church. Lord, more than just a gentle breeze, you want to blow the suddenly of your wind, of your spirit. Lord, you want to bring fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh fire in this place this morning. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray not for a, a yesterday's experience. I pray for a new 2014 experience in your spirit in this church in our lives fire for the enemy's ice stand with me this morning if you would I need ushers down here to remove this table down here real quick ushers come right now if you would please amen put it against that wall over there praise God how about it how about it how about it are you ready for fresh fire or are you content with yesterday's experience you want a fresh anointing a fresh touch. Or are you going to relegate it and say, well, that's just for pastor. That's just for deacons. That's just for elders. No. <laughs> it's whosoever will. Whosoever will. Don't you dare say that it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for every born-again, blood-washed believer. It's not an option. It's standard <laughs> for each and every life, every walk. This morning, I'm going to give the benediction right now. I understand that there are some that need to go. I understand that there are some that you've got an appointment. If you need to go, let me tell you, nobody's going to look at you as being unspiritual. Don't worry about that. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But this morning, after I'm done praying the benediction, after I'm done praying the benediction, if there is that within you that cries for more, more. If you're like me, you're not content with what you've gotten, God. You want more. I want you to make your way down here to this altar. I believe God's got a new thing, new thing that he wants to do with his people here this morning. Amen. Father, we just pray a blessing upon those that need to go. Lord, we just pray a blessing, oh God, upon your church. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, for those that come. That God, for the thirsty, 
you will give them water to drink. <laughs> for the hungry, God, I pray that you will fill them, oh God. Lord, we pray for fresh fire here at Lakeside. In the name of Jesus, and now may the grace of the Father and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be upon one and all. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. If you must go, God bless you. Go with God.